listening to a podcast from The National. There's plenty of reasons to be optimistic at the moment, despite what has been several years of, of perhaps what we might call austerity in the UAE. Uh, living costs uh, putting us under pressure um, as we deal with life in general and trying to, you know, make our wealth and our prospects here. Uh, the National has passed the two-year mark with its the debt panel column, which is extremely popular with our readers, our audiences, and has really helped people as well. I'm glad to say that today we're going to focus on several of these issues. One is how do you manage debt? How do you stay away from it? Avoid that crisis. How do you manage your finances better? How the central bank and regulators are changing the landscape here at the moment? And also how VAT has had some really interesting consequences since it came in at the beginning of the year, particularly with transparency. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the Nationals newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm joined by Alice Hain, our personal finance editor. Welcome, Alice. Nice to be back, Mustafa. It's good to talk to you. Uh, a little bit later, we're going to be talking to uh, one of the subjects of our debt panel column, uh, a lady who uh, found herself in a five-year terrible experience, in the, trapped in the cycle of debt, uh, for a number of reasons which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, and, uh, and and we talked to her about how she got out of it, partly thanks to the help of uh, some generous readers, but really the, also the learnings that came from this experience and the fact that she also began to understand uh, what she needed to do in terms of negotiating with her creditors, in terms of how the system works, and more importantly, as she will tell us later, uh, to avoid debt wherever you can. Um, so Alice, just to take a step back, it's been over two years since we since we started the debt column uh, the debt panel column and it's been I think fairly successful at least in some of the objectives we had one was to raise awareness of this debt trap that people were falling into the other was to possibly help some of the people who are stuck in it um, but but ultimately um, we, we did it because you were receiving a lot of complaints at the time about people being stuck in debt right and and, and why was that so that was back in uh, 2016. We launched the debt panel in April 2016. And the reason for doing it was I was being flooded with letters from readers in absolutely critical debt situations. And the stories, you couldn't believe what you were reading. Is this real? Do people really have that many credit cards? Do they really owe debts to 14 different banks? And, and it was difficult to understand how on earth somebody earning 5,000 or 10,000 dirhams, sometimes 50,000 dirhams, how they owed so much money. It wasn't necessarily what the incomes were. You know, the higher the income, the more the debts were. It was just the amount of debt and the amount that they owed and the number of banks that they owed to. And the reasons for that there were two. One was the uh, economic situation had changed. The oil price had plummeted. Some companies were laying off staffs as people suddenly didn't have their income to service the debts. But there was also the repercussions coming in from the credit bureau, the Al Etihad Credit Bureau, which had launched in 2014 and was now operating fully. Banks could suddenly see all the debts that people owed and they could see that this person owed X to 10 different lenders and they were thinking, well, I'm not going to lend more to this person. So suddenly that person who was going from one debt to the next to the next and was using each debt to pay off the last had no more access to credit. And that's because the law states that you can't have more than 51% of your income going to debt servicing. That's right. So it's called the debt burden ratio. And if 50%, any more than 50% of your income is servicing debt, then you cannot borrow any more money. And so suddenly that person whose debt burden ratio was 100%, sometimes higher than 100%, 
even 55%, they couldn't access any more credit. And so they had to rely on the debts that they had, which were maxed out. They had to rely on their income. Their income didn't cover their debt payments and they were completely stuck and they were in crisis. And so then the situation was, it was either flee, run away, abscond, go to prison, because back then if they were bouncing checks, it was a criminal offence. And and for others, it was turned to us for help. Can you help us? What can we do? Is there a charitable organisation that can bail us out? And that's when we thought, well, there is something we can't we can do. No, we can't bail everyone out. We're a newspaper. We're not a bank, and we don't have endless funds to pay people's debts off. But we can offer them advice, and we can show them what their rights are, and we can explain different ways that you can negotiate with the banks, and we can help you learn how to manage your money better. And that was what the mission was for the debt panel. And we got on board Abu Dhabi Islamic Bank, which were very into it, weren't they? Yeah, they were very proactive. They are. I mean, they have various initiatives anyway to 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 help people settle their debts. And, and obviously not everybody qualifies for them because you've got to have certain income levels and certain there's certain criteria that you have to fulfill. But they are very big on financial literacy and financial education and trying to help people. You know, you want to bank with us, but make sure you understand how everything works and, and, and what interest rates mean, et cetera, et cetera. So they're very big on financial education. So they were very keen to get on board and to help share that knowledge. And then we we kind of recruited various different panelists. We have um, Amberine um, Musa from Sukal Mal, who is uh, from the Financial Comparison website. And she she knows the kind of intricacies of how the banks work. And she can see the landscape of products. And, yes. and, and also from her website, people, uh, what they're requesting, what they're looking for. Exactly. What she, loans they're searching yes. for, what products they're searching for. Right? Yeah, she knows exactly what the trends are. So she she can see if there's a massive demand for consolidation loans, which at the time there was. It was a huge kind of demand for that kind of thing. People were looking for loans that could consolidate all their debts. And then she she can explain to you things like that, you know, there's imp- approved employer lists that each bank has. If you work for the wrong employer, you can't borrow any money because you're not working for the right person. And there's all these different things that can affect how you get out of debt. And, and then there's lots of, sort of tricks that can actually help you change your situation to be able to get access to a consolidation loan or be able to get access to the right person to negotiate down your debt. Um, and then we also had um, Rashida Khatun Khan. She's a wealth and wellness planner, and she looks a lot at the psychology of of being in debt and how people are feeling and, and the kind of stress and depression that people, because that's a big part of it as well. If you start getting into stress and depression, then you're not going to be able to concentrate at work. You could lose your job because you're not performing. And then the whole situation escalates onto a whole other level. And then we've taken on, as the, as the debt panel has evolved, we've taken on more people. So we also have bankers from HSBC, from CBI. We have Steve Cronin, who... Um, is, uh, helps people invest their money more wisely, but he also has a, a general look at sort of personal finances of the UAE. And uh, and it's just getting all those different voices together. And we also have Karen Bobka from Holborn Assets, who's a, a financial advisor, and she also talks about, obviously, the practicality. She's very hot on visas and employment bans and people who've absconded and the laws around that. And having all those different voices helps to kind of explain the debt landscape to people and really educate them on what their situation is and possibly how they could get out of it. Yeah, and uh, there's a general there's a general trend. I mean, everybody in the UAE wants to improve the quality of their life. They want to feel like they're getting more prosperous. And so sometimes when it, it can feel like today, let me spend it, let me borrow it. 
um, because that you know that's why I'm here. Well, that's that's the lifestyle I'm looking for. That's where I'm supposed to be going. Um, and uh, you know, later we'll hear from 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 the the lady from the debt panel, Sumera Hassan, who has a wonderful story, um, a very difficult story, of course, but you know, ultimately ended well. Who'll talk about you know she now knows that you know it, you have to start saving. You have to really think about the crises that could come. Nobody knows. Nobody knew that oil prices would fall that fast and stay that low for that long and, and the impact it would have, not just on the oil and gas sector, but the knock-on effect in, in other sectors across the region, not just the UAE, and how that would impact employment, job prospects. We're probably in a situation now where people haven't been able to rely on uh, salary increases or bonuses for some time. And, and, and in the past, when things were going well, you always felt like you could handle your debt, you could handle your credit cards, because there will always be that extra income. We, that, that's not happening anymore. If anything, benefits are, are, are reducing. They're not actually getting bigger. And so we have to be smarter with how we manage our money. It can't just be a kind of, well, I'm going to earn more game. Um, which I'm as guilty of as the next person. But, you know, how am I better with my budgeting, with my saving, with emergency funds, with my investment plans, and all of this kind of stuff? We, we have to be a little bit more alert and educated. Yeah, you've just got to completely, rather than looking for that next pay rise or that next job that's going to give you more money or that next credit card. Which is nice. Yeah, yeah uh, but we all know. like that. But but also looking for that next loan to pay off uh, this or support the family back in India or you know pay for the education of my three brothers in the Philippines. Whatever your story is, everyone's got a backstory. Everyone's got a reason why they've got into debt. And often it's family things. It's, it's medical expenses. It's uh, tuition fees. It's supporting children. And often in another country. Um, so we've all got a reason why we're spending. Um, but really, uh, before you get into that situation where you're borrowing to facilitate that spending, you've kind of got to turn yourself in and look at your own income. How much am I earning? How am I living? Is it sustainable? Actually, could I reduce those outgoings? How can I live a, a sort of cleaner, simpler life so that I'm spending less? Maybe I just don't go to the mall anymore. Maybe I shop in a different shop. Lots of different tricks to actually reduce how much you're spending. And that changes the game. Because once your income covers your living expenses and leaves enough for you to really save, and I, I mean save well, because that's what you're here for. You're here to save. Uh, then, then the whole game changes and you're not having to rely on debt to service those expenses that you're thinking about. And the problem is people come here and it's very expensive to set up. They've got, you know, you've got a year of rent to pay. You might have furniture to buy, white goods. You've got maybe kids to send to school. Um, and, and then what happens is the banks approach you. And for some people from some particular countries, they're suddenly being offered a lot of money uh, very easily to uh, service, uh, you know, to use as they want. And they and so they tell their family, oh, look, I've got all this money. I can pay for your education. I'll pay for this heart surgery, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how the situation escalates out of control. So you really need to look at how you're spending, but also be very, very wary about taking on credit. And, you know, for a longer term prospect, um, for, for our children, everybody, the next generation, if you're better informed about money, your kids are likely to be better informed about money. Um, if you start now, it's like the lessons will, will begin earlier. Uh, don't expect the school to do it for you. Don't expect, um, you know, it to magically happen. Otherwise, our kids will go through the same hard experiences of learning through basically paying paying for these products and understanding possibly when it's too late what, what it really means to take on a credit card, what it really means to take on a loan. Um, and, and also the kind of responsibilities that come with it and, and you don't know what the, what's going to happen in the future. Um, 
so we, we spoke a little bit earlier to Samara Hassan, who, um, who wrote to the National's Debt Panel for help. And we were very happy uh, earlier this month to be able to, to, to write in one of the weekly debt panel columns or one of the weeks around the debt panel column that um, the Ramadan spirit was alive and well and a couple of generous readers had stepped in to help her ultimately clear her debt. But that was kind of the final furlong in terms of uh, the, her situation. She, they came in and kind of helped to get the final way through it. But she had been spending five years dealing with this and had come quite away herself, right? Yeah, so basically her debts had spiralled to a point. She hadn't re- been repaying them for about 18 months um, by the time she contacted us. And they'd spiralled to the point from about 45000 which is what she initially borrowed to pay for the birth of her two youngest children. Um, and then when her husband and her lost their jobs, they um, they, bo- they racked up some more debt on credit cards. So the total debt came to 45000 Then, very unfortunately, her husband left and uh, she was left to manage the debts on her own. And from there, she tried to keep up with them as much as she could, you know, with part-time work, and eventually she managed to get a job. But with four kids to support, that's pretty tough. So lots of charges had been applied to the debts, and they'd kind of escalated out of control to about 90,000. So she was back and forwards with the banks, doing her best to negotiate. And what had happened was that her debt had now been outsourced to a debt collection agency. And once that happens, you've kind of lost power. So as much as she was going back to the collections department at the bank and trying to negotiate and get access to the right person to be able to negotiate a settlement, um, she kept being re-outsourced to this debt collection agency. And two years ago, she actually did negotiate um, a settlement figure of 32000 and she just couldn't quite make it. She'd managed to collect as much money as she possibly could, but she just couldn't quite meet it. And so the banks were like, nope, that's it. If you can't pay it, we're back to square one. And so then her debt was re-outsourced again to the debt collection agency, and that's where she ended up in the situation where she's getting lots and lots of calls. So at that stage, she she started to sort of hide away from society. So when her case came in, two things happened. <clears throat> Excuse me. One was that um, uh, I read it and, you know, I read the debt panel letters every week. And this one kind of struck a chord because it really felt like she had nowhere to go. Uh, she was a single mother and she had four children. And perhaps maybe because I'm a mother, I just thought, I'm going to contact the bank and just ask if they can help here. And all that actually did was gave her access back to the head of the collections department. They then at had the, a, At the lender. At the lender. They then had a conversation and agreed to negotiate a figure. And then she had a friend who went with her and I also helped to come up with a figure that she could possibly afford. But in the meantime, uh, two readers had contacted me. It was Ramadan. They wanted to give back. Samir is a Muslim. One particular guy who didn't want to be named, um, him and his mother wanted to pay 19,000 dirhams towards the debt as part of their zakat. And then they consulted this other guy, Isra Ahmed, who's very active in the community and likes to help people in the Muslim community. And he offered to help sort of gather together the remaining 6,000. The bank had settled with us at 25,000. And that's how the debt was paid off. And suddenly all the calls stopped and Samira could breathe again. Let's hear a little bit of our conversation uh, earlier with Samira Hassan. Okay, Samira, so starting off, what, what is the, uh, the key thing that you think you've taken away from this experience now that the debt is paid off? What, what have you learned from this whole thing? To have complete faith all the time. There are times when you're, you hit rock bottom in your life, and whether it's personally or any other way where you feel that, you know, there's, there's no hope. Um, 
think that's when uh, you know you realize that uh, that faith really plays a very very important role in all of this. Uh, people kind of lose it sometimes, and that I've been in that place where I thought that you know that there's no hope, nothing's going to get better. Um, it's not always. I mean, things don't remain permanent. That this change is possible. Positive change does come through. Because you received a settlement letter rather than a clearance letter, it means you cannot take on on any debt again. And how does that make you feel? And on a real practical level, what does that what does that mean for managing your finances when you know there's no recourse as you might have done in the past to get yeah. that extra amount from Absolutely. a bank? Yeah, that's true. And the comfort of you know being able to fall back upon something that you could just get, take a facility from the bank, and it's very easy to do that in this part of the world. I've been here 12 years, and every time something goes wrong, you go get a credit card, or you just kind of you know borrow um, from from the banks, which is becoming somewhat more difficult now than earlier. But then, of course, you've got that door open that is like a piece of mind that like, okay, that we could do that if something goes wrong. Um, but I think that's where we make the mistake. Um, I think if I look back, I uh, feel that I should have been um, a little more prudent where I was uh, spending my money or if, and, and saving up for sure. That's one thing that we all um, ought to think about. We have to have some kind of saving. We think, oh, everything's great. My job's going well. Everything's just perfect. Uh, things couldn't go wrong. Um, but uh, I think that's one thing that we, that I think I, I definitely learned from the whole um, ordeal is that I should have some savings to fall back upon rather than uh, go to the banks. Um, it, I think it's been a blessing in disguise, and I said that to Alice earlier, that I have no intention of taking any sort of liability from uh, any kind of from any, any financial institution. You've, you've, you said it was a five-year process, and I understand there was a lot of emotion, a lot of um, personal story attached to this. But one yeah. of the reasons why you know, Alice uh, started working on the debt panel over two years ago yeah. was because we realized that um, it wasn't enough anymore to have a good income or a good salary. Um, you needed to have a, 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 an understanding of how to manage finances, financial literacy. Yeah. There was a gap and it, it's something that isn't necessarily particular to the UAE, but is, is probably yeah. around the world. They don't teach it at schools. You know, when are you going to yeah. learn it? The first time you, you, you get a credit card, you may not be aware of the compound interest factor of how expensive Absolutely. it is to borrow on a credit card. Sometimes yeah. the only way to learn is through the hard experience. So do you yeah. feel that you're much more knowledgeable now compared to where you were five years ago in terms of finances, yes. budgeting, bank products, etc.? Absolutely. So I come from an accounting background. I've been in the banking industry for a good um, 15 years now. And I understood. So when you say that, you know, I wasn't aware, I wasn't aware of, I, I knew about compound interest. I knew how the banking industry works, being so closely associated with it. Um, but at the same time, you don't realize it, like you said, um, till you get into a difficult situation where you realize that, oh, it's, this is the kind of interest they're adding to it. And this is how much it's affecting you. Because when you have a job and you've got um, everything going for you, you don't feel like, or you don't feel the pinch, basically, um, of if they're charging you extra money for any other service or the interest doesn't pinch you. But when you're in a situation like I was for these five years, you realize that every penny counts, every penny counts. And um, I mean, I, w- I was more aware people who are not kind of get hurled into it um, more than, more than uh, people who are aware do. Um, and that's something to be very aware of. I think the banks need to play a role there to 
but I definitely think I'm doing a better job now than I was five years ago um, uh, of managing my finances. And I know that savings has to start today. Uh, this is what my mom used to say, mm. and my grandparents used to say that you've got to save up uh, some amount of whatever you start uh, to, whatever you start to earn. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we start doing it when we're in our forties. We'll start doing that uh, later in life. But I think that's what you need to do from from right away. Uh, put away some part of your income, um, and then you know, forget about that. That saving has to be there for yourself for for difficult times for your kids as well. So you're saying that the, the big takeaway is always have that emergency fund, whatever your income you're earning. Uh, don't always yeah. rely on the fact that that will be there, uh, and yeah. and start saving now today. Don't wait yeah. to start saving because exactly. you, you never know yeah. when the difficult times are going to come. Exactly. I mean, that, that's that a bit. That's a big lesson. That's the bottom line. Yeah, that's a very big yeah. lesson. I think. I think. I think everybody exactly. feels like tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Um, but, yeah. but 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 you know, as we as as Alice and I were talking a little bit earlier, um, the you know economic situation for everybody in this region changed pretty fast um, when oil prices yeah. started to fall. So we couldn't have predicted um, that we would be in in the situation that we're in. So you always have to be ready for that uh, that crisis. Absolutely. And in general, um, you know, kind of how do, how does it feel now that you've dealt with your situation? I mean, what's what's the big um, difference? in your life compared to when you were still uh, stuck in the middle of, of this debt trap? See, when you're stuck in uh, the middle of a, of a situation, you it's, it's almost like firefighting every single day. So every morning, let's deal with this and then get over it. So I was, um, so emotionally, I was in a place where I was also going through a, a you know, a, a, a personal, uh, I think it was all financial. Also, I, I lost my job. My husband lost his job. Then my, my husband... Um, decided to leave uh, for Pakistan and, and decided not to come back. So when you're going through all of that, for me, it was more like uh, on the emotional front, on the financial front, work front, home, I was just kind of firefighting every single day. It kind of um, puts you in a position where you can't uh, uh, step back and look at the bigger picture. You can't plan ahead. Um, I'm just, I was just doing so. I don't even realize where the five years went because all I was doing day in, day out was was uh, you know fighting my problems of all sorts, uh, emotional, financial, at work. Like okay, let's just block everything out. That's how I, how I did it. I just kind of um, stopped multitasking. I would just kind of you know block a time for my work. I block everything else out. When I'm at home with the kids, with the family, I block everything else out. So I'm just like let's deal with this. So I was not doing it like dealing with it on a daily basis, more like on an hourly basis. So let's deal with this first. Um, and now that I've uh, come out of all of that, I'm able to see that, yeah, I need to manage my finances, manage my work-life uh, balance should be there. I should be uh, kind of managing my work better because everything was getting affected. My personal life was getting affected. My kids, my mom, my, my work, my colleagues, I would have mood swings and stuff that I was not really aware of. But then I was like, you know, became a different person altogether. Mm. Um, so now it's given me a chance to kind of look back at all of that and say, you know what, um, that's bigger than that. Uh, and then there are people that need your attention. There's and life itself. Now, when we talk about finances, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to start saving up, no matter how difficult it may seem. We, we can't say, yeah, we're living, um, you know, we're kind of spending end-to-end. My expenses are more than my uh, income. Somehow, the other, I've got to take out like 100 bucks or 50 bucks and you know, put it aside um, and, and save it for myself and my kids. And I'm teaching my kids that, too. I think that's a big lesson, not for just me, but... Uh, for others as well, and, and yeah, now, and now you're not you're not living in daily fear of the telephone ringing and your creditors chasing you. 
which so must give you a lot, a lot more headspace. Yes, of course, of course, because they had me, I mean, without realizing it, I think these guys are just doing their job, but the agencies and the way that they put things to you just to kind of get the money out of you, uh, it's almost inhuman to tell you that you know, the CID would just come to the office and take you away. Stuff like, you know, I'd be afraid to get on the metro because I'm like, what if somebody has kind of a check, if, my, if I, there's a police case against me, if it's a court case that might just come up, so... For example, I had this assignment that I took on. So I'm a researcher. I work in the recruitment industry. Um, so one of our clients is working in the government sector, and they were like, you've got to get a police clearance before you can start and work, start work from our premises and start sitting at a premises. And I was like, uh, I, I don't know what to do about that. So I had to confide my employer say, you know what, my police clearance won't come through because I have a police case outstanding and they might, that might just come up. So the embarrassment that you mm. uh, think that you're going to go through, um, these guys showed up my at my workplace, they start contacting the firm's partners to let them know. So, so the embarrassment and just the fear of what if I get picked up by the CID, like they're saying, and if I end up in jail, what's going to happen to my family? Are they going to be deported? Is the support back home? How's it all going to work out? So that daily tension every single day that I'll be stressed out without realizing what's weighing on my mind, the back of my mind all the time, all the time. Uh, so those just step out into the mall, uh, I'd be like, you know, I'd, I'd be very vigilant. It's like, what's going on? Who's there? So I'd be afraid of every person I'd be meeting. And then I socially, um, I became a recluse for five years. I wasn't um, meeting, you know, my friends or, uh, or the neighbors of, you know, just kind of um, was afraid that, you know, I might have to face some kind of embarrassment or, or what yes. if. Yes. And, and that stigma that, that stigma is important to mention because, I mean, certainly, personally, I wouldn't want my friends and family. I don't even know if I could admit to my wife if I was in that situation because I would feel that sense of shame and embarrassment and I'd feel like somehow I had failed, uh, you know, yeah. my, my responsibilities and my duties. But you've been very courageous and, and you know, making the step of sharing your story with the national, yeah. you know, we thank you for yeah. that. That took a lot of courage. I'm glad it's worked out. But for those people okay. out there and, and really, you know, you're lucky I have to say, uh, Sumera, that you managed to get out of this because Alice yeah. and I have, have heard many stories and, and the expression we hear is fish in a barrel, people just swimming around, stuck, unable to get out of that situation. And we hoped at the very least the debt panel would help those on the edge of debt pull back or yeah. on the edge of the debt crisis pull back. And so, you, so how does it feel now that you've shared your story, you've pushed past fears of stigma and shame and embarrassment and have actually, you know, m made your story public? How, what, what's, yeah. what's that experience like now? I wouldn't have been able to do it, um, uh, to be honest. I don't know how I got the courage to do that because, you know, it's the shame, like you said, the stigma that's attached to you know, people like us. And, oh, my God, what's, what, what if people find out? But when you're in your lowest low, I think all of my closest um, friends, uh, uh, more than family, uh, kind of came to help me in, in ways in the past five years that I, I could never repay them for. Um, and, and that's, I think you guys are also, uh, you know, in, in that, um, how do I put it? Uh, I feel that uh, my, my family hasn't come through for me. As in my immediate family, my sister or my brother or people that, you know, have been very close to me in the past. They would, if I'd ask them for help, like, you know what, they just kind of disappeared from the whole scenario. And, and friends and people like Alice and you 
came to my rescue. I, I didn't think that writing to the national would be uh, something that would help me. It was more of uh, uh, to create awareness and also kind of stop the banks from harassing because I've been reading stories and yeah. I, I know that people have, it's not just me going through a, a difficult uh, time in my life. There are so many people out there who are facing the same thing since, um, you know, the past few years that, you know, since the oil crisis and things have, the economy has been down um, these past these past few years. Um I, I think uh, the reason I wrote to the National and I also wrote to other, not just the National, but other newspapers as well, um, I was very disappointed when I wrote to the Central Bank. And in thrice, I got the same kind of reply that we can't get into this because it's out of our jurisdiction. And it's not explanatory. They don't say anything much except that, oh, we can't really help. More like, you know, um, get lost, leave us alone kind of a thing. And it feels bad that there's no um, community, there's no uh, um, uh, uh, how do I put it? There's no uh, company. There's no friend. There's no. There's no official. There's no official course. place that you can that, that people in your situation yeah, yeah, go, can to. go to. Yeah, yeah. So you think that there's doing something wrong? And I found out from my friends from uh, the bank that what the agencies were doing is illegal. Showing up at your office or calling up yeah. your employers, harassing you there with the, uh, the way that they do it is absolutely illegal. And a lot of people don't know that. They just. Uh, don't realize it, uh, but then I was lucky enough to find that, and I'm like, somebody has to help us. If this is illegal, then how is the central bank allowing it to happen? Yeah, and so when I, they say no, I'm like, I think I think that you're yeah. you're absolutely right. There there is there, there is a definite need for 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 things to to evolve. Uh, I mean, from yeah. from our reporting here at the national, um, to give you you and other people out there some comfort, uh, Alice and I are seeing movement. Um, out there, there, there are things changing. Uh, today, we're talking about uh, how there's been an action by the central bank on capping fees that banks could charge, which you know is another way of of, of how uh, some people are feeling like they're feeling the pinch. Uh, but also right. in in terms of the, the court system, because some of this yeah. is down to legislation that it's very difficult to change because you know legislation, as legislators will tell you, um, is a long haul. Yeah. But the court system has stopped. Um, automatically uh, giving custodial sentences for bounced checks, for example. They're trying to be very quick in dealing with with people who owe money. Um, they understand that this is something that is, uh, you know, affects everybody. It isn't necessarily a criminal offense. It's it's more related yeah. to lifestyle and knowledge. So we we've in the last two years we've definitely seen changes on that front to give you that comfort. But like you said, yeah. probably we're we're a step away from. A, no, a natural place that everybody can go to when they are in this situation. Yeah. I don't know, somewhere that yeah. helps you do voluntary insolvency where in other markets. Exactly. But, but you know, we're a young country and uh, we're yeah. developing very fast and, and I think we're going to get there. But your stories, stories like yours, will, will I think, help um, people understand the situation on the ground and, and, and help yeah. people be better informed. And certainly, I mean, Alice can, can testify this, uh, you know, some of the banks do respond when they see these situations, these extreme situations. Yeah. Um, often the people at the lenders, like you said, quite rightly, are doing their job and are in a difficult situation yeah. as well. Um, but look, all I can say is you've done a great thing and you know we're really pleased that things worked out for you and I think you're going to help a lot Thank of people you. through your story. Um, Alice, you got anything else you want to you want to say to Samara before we let her go? Just thank you for uh, writing in. I'm glad that we were able to help you and that um, a couple of people were very generous, a couple of readers were very generous to help you pay off the the kind of final uh, settled amount that was agreed between um, yourself and the bank. 
and um, and I wish you all, all the best. And Samira has spoken to uh, me and she wants to help in the future. So it could be that in the future she uh, becomes a debt panellist as well and, and yep. helps people uh, with their cases because she, obviously she's been through it so she knows what they're going through. So that's, that's something that we're looking at as well. That's great. That's that, that's great to hear. And, and, and look, thanks for your time. We know we're taking you out of your busy day and uh, we wish you all the luck and, and thanks for talking to us, Samira. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Mr. Finalist. Thank you for everything. I uh, I just hope I can be in that place where I can help someone um, else uh, like me because, yeah, you know, through my story, if it has helped even one person, I think that that's great. And I think um, it would commend, I think it all um, uh, boils down to, you know, how people have helped me out. And I think uh, my thank you, my gratitude goes out to people like you, uh, people who have helped uh, my situation. I, I hope I can do that for somebody else in the future. Take the time to listen to The National's other podcasts, Extra Time from our esteemed sports desk, who talk about the Premier League and more, and also Beyond the Headlines, which deals with the biggest news of the day or week, but definitely from a Middle Eastern point of view. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast. You can get this and all the other ones at thenational.ae or on Apple Podcasts. Alice Hayne, our personal finance editor, is with us. Uh, we're talking about finances, debt. Uh, we just heard from Samara Hassan, uh, one of the uh, people who wrote into the debt panel. She had an incredible story. It ended well. Um, to surmise, she had uh, learned a lot about the, the dangers and the risks of debt, not to take it lightly. Also, that you know, she five years of her life were dominated by trying to deal with the debt trap that she'd fallen into, but also. Uh, you know, she had done pretty well actually negotiating on her own with the banks. The banks will negotiate. If you go early and you go straight to them and explain your situation, there is the possibility to do it. Now, in her circumstances, it didn't quite work out but at the beginning, but in the end it did. But it, at least it goes to show that the longer you leave it, the longer you run away from it, once you're on the edge, the harder it becomes. Yeah, you need to get in touch with the bank straight away. The minute you think you're in trouble, get in touch. Even before that, even if you're unsure, right, yeah. that you, you might not make the next payment, you might make it, it's better to go early. Yes, because there are, if, if at the early stages, they're very nice. You know, you can talk about to them about payment holidays. I've got this mini crisis. I just don't know what to do. And and different banks have different rules and regulations, but they will, they want, they essentially want you to pay back your debt and they will help you. So if you're proactive and you're going to them first away, you know, straight away and you're speaking to your um, account manager or your debt manager, whoever it is that's dealing with your particular case, and you're saying, I've got this situation, they will help you. The problem is that sometimes people have got themselves into a stage where they're in debt and they kind of need help, but they're not actually in enough debt for the bank to be proactive about helping them. So we've had a few cases where people have said, well, I've got all this debt, what can you do, Mr. Bank? And the bank's like, well, I'm sorry, but you don't actually have too severe a situation so we can't intervene at this stage and for those people that they've really got to turn in on their own resources and and look for any assets that they can sell or any uh, family members who can perhaps help them or just completely change their lifestyle I mean I think sometimes people literally need to go on a massive financial diet and just cut out everything they possibly can in an extreme situation 
Um, but the earlier you get involved, the more access you have to the right people who can actually, and perhaps the more senior people. You know, I've spoken to very senior bankers, and they say to us that, you know, often we don't hear about these cases. It's only when it's an extreme situation that suddenly it lands on our yeah. desk, and that's when we intervene. You know, there's lots of layers of people involved in the banking system, and everyone's got a different level of authority. So you kind of need to make sure you're getting through to the right people and the more senior people. Well, the debt panel, the idea is to raise awareness, not just amongst people who are in debt, but also other stakeholders like the banks, like the regulators. And in the last two years, a lot has changed. Um, and, and some of this is nat- a natural part of uh, any developing economy. But also, you know, w- as we suspect, uh, we're not the only ones receiving a lot of these letters and complaints. I think the regulators for a number of issues have been seeing more and more people talking about these issues. And so they've been stepping in probably faster than, than perhaps would be the natural course of things to, to change the landscape. And we talked about the Al-Etihad Credit Bureau. That was a big step forward. I mean, they're very much a product of what happened during the financial crisis and the amount of people that found themselves in debt, um, you know, from all strata of, of, of society, uh, expats, Emiratis, rich, poor, you name it, everybody struggled. So they realized they needed to be more transparency. And so in the short run, as we talked a bit earlier, the immediate consequence of that transparency from the credit bureau was, and Abdulaziz Guerrer of Mashrik Bank had said this, there'll be about six months where people stop lending. Because they're realizing, oh dear, this is the situation. We never quite knew the full picture. But now the the, the, the consequences of transparency are a bit more positive. Bankers are more willing to, to negotiate. Everyone's a bit understanding a bit what the real situation is, being a bit more cautious about getting into debt. But also, um, we've moved into a VAT environment now this year, and that's brought in even more transparency. So this week, there's been big news out of the central bank about um, regulating uh, more tightly uh, the fees and charges that banks char- that, that banks put on their customers. And that's partly you know, we suspect because through VAT, there's a lot more transparency of what these charges are with regulators. Yeah, that's right. So the central bank is going to set maximum limit on fees and commissions charged by banks on on retail products. And there's actually the fee caps will actually apply to 43 types of charges and all fees will now be reviewed annually. Now, I think the last time we had really significant changes was in 2011 when the bank (coughs) introduced a series of measures like they capped the amount you could borrow at 20 times your salary. And there were some kind of caps put on uh, fees back then. But this is taking it to another level and they're, they're They want uh, banks to publish all the fees on the website. It's not entirely clear yet what uh, the fee caps are and which products they apply to specifically, but we know it involves credit cards and late payment fees on credit cards. We know it applies to uh, mortgages and we know it applies to commissions. So that's when salespeople are out there selling selling products and selling credit cards that perhaps people shouldn't be having. Then then they're not going to be as well remunerated in terms of commission. Um, But... uh, from what I understand, uh, banks will now have to notify and seek approval from the regulator on plans to introduce new fees or a change of fees that are larger than 5%. So they really have to justify why they're charging excessive fees to somebody. And we've had cases, uh, you know, we as well as the debt panel, we write around the debt panel as well. But we had a case last year where a woman took three banks to court in Abu Dhabi because her debts were just mushrooming out of control because of the amount of fees that were being applied. It was interest on interest and late yeah. payment fees and fees on top of that. 
And and the court ruled in, in, in her favour and said that the banks were irresponsible in the way that they had applied the fee structure to those debts. And therefore, she the, the, bank, the debts were wiped. So uh, the central bank is clamping down. I think as well, they have a they have a complaint system and lots of readers, uh, not, not just our readers, but just citizens generally are complaining to the central bank. They're sending in bank statements. They can see all the fees that are being applied. And so now banks have to be transparent about it. And this is a really positive move. Yeah, really positive. Big time. And, and there's VAT on charges and fees now, not on interest, of course. But so really, they, the, the government's got skin in the game in the sense that they're earning money off these fees and, and they're not going to want them to be uh, unduly burdensome on, on, on the people that live in this country. So there, there'll be a moral duty to, to, be, to be more closely monitoring um, the, these fees and charges. Um, but we, we've seen a lot of changes. I mean, you know, in the last few weeks alone, some of the changes to the visa rules in the country, changes to the foreign ownership rules, we've got stimulus packages. It, it's, it's quite an exciting time uh, to, to be living, working, um, setting up a business, operating here. But, but I think what we've learned from the debt panel to come back to this is that's all well and good. But the onus is on each individual to be educated, to, to have financial literacy, to have knowledge. It's not enough to be a great deal maker or a great businessman or a great networker. You have to have the basics of financial literacy. And, and I remember the piece you did about there was a basic online survey that was done, a global one, to ask people some three basic questions, including do you understand compound interest? And most people failed the survey, yeah, which, was, which, was, which is, you know, it goes to show you that this is an endemic problem worldwide. Yeah, it's it's just unfortunately people come out of school and they just they just don't have that information, the knowledge, you know, it's something that I, I drum into my children on a daily basis and I set them a strict budget. They get a they get pocket money and I have a, a daughter who's a spender and she spends it all within the first week and then she wants more and I'm like, uh uh-uh. uh. It's closed. There's no more. And you can't borrow against it. You can't borrow against next month. But, you know, I'm setting those lessons clear now. My son, on the other hand, he saves it and he stashes the cash. And it's actually that simple. Get those lessons in now. Get them in early. Maybe uh, I might engineer a giant financial crisis for my kids so that they really see the consequences of what happens. You know, some kind of scenario testing, you know, where you can do it, where they borrow so much from you that they can no longer access any money and buy anything and give them some kind of experience like that when they're a bit older. It's mean. I don't know. It just came to me now. it's a good now. idea. You think it's a good idea? Well, because you're tough. <laughs> so, I am tough. So, so maybe I've given you an idea. Sorry, kids. <laughs> well, they, uh, my daughter's learning, though. She's now thinking about how that money is going to be allocated and thinking about the things she wants. And she has big goals. And I keep saying to her, well, if you want those big goals, you've got to put that little yeah. bit away each month you've got to learn to do that now was it einstein talked about the power of compound interest that those that understand it do well and those that don't will f- always fail because it works both ways it isn't just the compound interest of a credit card that is hurting you but if you save every month every year for 10 years the compound interest then works for you it is and do you know what saving is as addictive as spending in my younger years, I did used to be a little bit of a spender and I'd buy things I didn't need. Now I'm a massive saver and I love watching the money grow. And it makes you think, oh, well, actually, I'll put a little bit more in because every every little bit that you increase it by, the more that compound interest grows and the more your net worth grows. And it's a wonderful thing to have that security knowing that there's some money behind you. Because as you say, we just don't know what's going to happen next. Alice Hayne, personal finance editor, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a good conversation. 
Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. This has been the Business Extra podcast from The National. Of course, go to our website, national.ae, for all our further coverage of personal finance and business. Thanks again and join us again next time.